Hi, I'm Stephanie Trithui and welcome to Motherland Australia, a podcast celebrating and connecting rural mums across the country. Each week, I'll bring you real and raw stories of motherhood told by women on the land. It's a wild roller coaster we're all on, so no matter where you live or what you do, we're in it together and you're not alone. So, what's it like to raise kids on the land? This is Motherland. Welcome back. This week, I catch up with Olivia Thorne from Western Australia. She's a former city girl who now lives on her husband's family farm and recently welcomed her third child. Lives on a break from her career as a rural reporter for the ABC. And we tackle a number of motherhood topics related to her journey, including the isolation that can come with raising kids in the country, why it does take a village and how to find support, plus the heart-stopping health scare with her son that shook her to the core. This is her story. Olivia, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for jumping on. Pleasure, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. So can you just introduce yourself to everyone? Tell us a bit about yourself, where you live, what you do and who's in your beautiful family? Yes, yeah, sure. Um, so I I live on a farming property about three hour drive southeast of Perth in WA. Um, and I'm here on the farm. It's my husband's family farm. His name's Hamish and we have three children. Fergus is four and a half. Then there's Albert, Bertie, who's um, two and a half. And then I have a newborn. Maeve is just eight weeks old today. Wow. So you've got your hands full. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's it's kind of mayhem, particularly today. So you've got me on a good day. (laughs) I always, um, yeah, I always appreciate when a lot of the the farming dads have to come in and babysit while I do the podcast for an hour, which is lovely. So shout out to the dads who do that. But um, yeah. Now, tell us a bit about um, where you're from. Like, where did you grow up? Did you grow up around there? Tell us about your journey um, prior to, to where you are now on the farm. Yeah, well, I guess I um, – so my dad sort of is has always been in agriculture. So when I was really little, I lived on a sheep station in South Australia. Don't remember much of it because I left um, when I was about five. But really, I've grown up in Perth. So I've had all my school and high school and stuff in Perth. Um, so um, I've, we've always had farming ties, so to speak, and had sort of hobby farms on the side that we used to camp on and um, muck around on on weekends. But really, I'm a city girl. Um, and, yeah, so I've been living here on the property with Hamish and his family um, for, yeah, since Fergus was born, so almost five years. Um, but before that, um really yeah I mean I visited the farm heaps obviously and knew what it was all about but it's the reality of actually living here is a bit different so yeah being here and I mean it's it's your classic um sheep grain setup so you know it's um we farm here with Hamish's so Hamish is one of three boys got two brothers and all three of them are actually in the farming business so they live nearby within within about a five ten minute drive um so there's about three and a bit properties which we all sort of 
run together but live separately if you like so there's different families close by which is is good too yeah that's lovely and I guess in terms of your upbringing you mentioned you know you spent a lot of time in Perth and you and I have a quite a bit in common both being former city girls and also former well, journalists you're a journalist so tell us about I guess your career and um, where that's taking you and and then obviously how you ended up on the farm yeah um well I've been with Hamish for god I think 12 13 years so we've been together a while but he kind of left his farming business and didn't want to be a farmer did other careers um, in environmental science and marine biology I also as you mentioned um, did journalism so yeah we um, we've lived overseas together and traveled and we ended up in Melbourne living um, for a while and I've worked in radio and you know it was working sort of um, just casual work and commercial radio in Melbourne and I got a job with the ABC and um, as a rural reporter so I did a few stints I left Melbourne um, and actually Hamish and I had some time apart and I yeah had stints in Broken Hill and Port Lincoln and various like rural locations um, found myself back in WA and Albany and Bunbury working so um, loved just being in the bush you know although I, I sort of consider myself a city girl I it's funny how I was drawn back to rural postings and covering farming stories mm. and of course Hamish had his career in Melbourne and then um, while we were apart he actually sort of out of the blue it felt like decided to come back and sort of you know start to take over the farming business again his family business here in Kojanup so I sort of veered back to WA and ended up in Perth um, with a job with ABC still and loved that. But the reality is if we wanted to be together and start a family, which I was really wanting to do eventually, um, I would kind of, you know, need to come back to the farm. So I tried to keep my finger in the career pie for as long as possible. I think I moved to the farm you know, really, um, when I was on that leave with my first baby. So, yeah, so I'm yeah trying my best to, um, yeah, keep keep the, the work thing going while also kind of, you know, enjoying the lifestyle and everything that comes with being on the farm, which obviously has its challenges too. Yeah, it is a tough one for, for career, like for mm. rural women with careers, particularly in something like journalism. You don't always get to pick and choose where, where your work is and, you know, when, when you sort of, I guess, devote yourself to a a farm boy, a country boy, you can't get him off the farm. Like, the you know, the farm is where the farm is. So I guess it kind of, you know, restricts you in some ways. Um, how did you, I guess, mm. feel about, you know, perhaps having to compromise or, I don't know, did you have to give up some of your career for that move and how did you feel? Obviously, you mentioned you wanted to start a family, so you're obviously pretty happy that that was the right decision, but how are you feeling, sort of that career woman versus future mum, you know, all that stuff? Yeah, I know. It's tricky, isn't it? I've always, always wanted to have babies and, you know, and there's a whole lot of romance around that whole, like, raising the kids on the farm, you know, but... I have always been confident that's the best decision for me, but gosh, yeah, it, it, um, you do look back and go, wow, like what have I kind of given up, so to speak. Um, hopefully it'll always be there to pick up again in, in the full capacity between babies. I'm not working at the moment, but between the babies, I've kind of gone back and done casuals work or filled in when, you know, presenters are on holidays or whatever. And, 
um, done a bit of writing from home and things, um, which has kind of been enough to satisfy that kind of itch you have mm. when you do long for that, you know, previous life. Yeah. Um, but I remember when I told my um, my colleague in Perth, um, <laughs> we work quite closely together and she knew me really well and she's a mother of two and I told her I was pregnant, you know, you know, am I going to be on a farm full time? She kind of was like, the look on her face, she couldn't hide, like she couldn't believe that I guess I was throwing it all in just, mm. you know, not just to raise a family but it is a lot to give up and think, gosh, you're out of the system for so many years, um, it'll be hard to go back and pick up where I left off but it'll happen and I, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Um, but, you know, these days with technology and things, um, my sort of passion is radio. So you can do that from home or, you know, from you know, all the gadgets that we have these days. And I have been doing that um, when I worked last year pre-COVID. So, so yeah, I mean, but I haven't kissed it goodbye, but I certainly do need it humming in the background because you do need something for yourself amongst all the, the mothering and farming chaos, which is easy to lose your own your own mojo when you're living, you know, um, through someone else's business and someone else's farming dream. Um, yeah, so it's I'm, I'm conscious of that, I guess. Absolutely. I can totally relate to that. And, you know, like you talked about mm. that itch, you know, that itch to tell stories. And I suppose radio is perfect, right? You know, I worked in TV. You can't do that from anywhere. But radio is awesome. Podcasts are also awesome, which is, you know, why I sort of started this was to to feel that itch to, to tell meaningful stories. So that's so great that you've got some of that flexibility. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm mm, sure you will, mm. you will go back to it if you want and there's lots of options. I think the whole COVID thing sort of thrown a whole other element of workplace flexibility around. So that's that's promising. So, um, yeah, but I suppose mm. you know, m moving forward, how did that conversation come about to try for a family? Was that an easy journey? Um, and tell us about your, I guess, your introduction to motherhood and how that was. Yeah, um, I was very fortunate. So Hamish and I were married and we kind of knew we wanted to have babies eventually. We thought it would take a while. So we just got straight into things. And, I, you know, we fell pregnant right away, which was a real blessing. And Fergus was born um, just less than a year after we were married, um, which in hindsight feels so quick. Mm. <laughs> it's like, wow, we should have really enjoyed that time, just the two of us. But as I said, we've been together for so many years. We've, you know, spent a lot of time um, and we have a pretty great, you know, we're great mates, Hamish and I, so we were sort of ready. So, yeah, Fergus was born and, um, you know, that just, you think you're prepared for that, that first baby, but, God, it was, yeah, um, he's a happy, healthy kid, um, wasn't the best sleeper and all that, but you know, having my family so far away um, in Perth and, you know, his family is nearby here and they're fantastic, but um, nothing beats kind of your own village and, you know, my all my close friends were in Perth or, you know, interstate or overseas and they weren't quite into the newborn baby life yet. Mm. So they, you know, were open-minded but didn't quite get it. <laughs> and so, yeah, I did feel pretty isolated here. Um, and because I kind of dive straight out of my, you know, career, like, orientated life, you know, constantly in touch with people, you know, meeting new people, learning other people's stories every day, and then to be kind of in the four walls of my house with a baby that was unsettled and, you know, and you think you're doing everything wrong and all of that. It did, looking back, I think, God, like, I think I really did struggle. Mm. Um, at the time, I probably wouldn't admit it or, you know, I wasn't that great at just asking for help or those small things um, because you are used to such an independent life. Um, 
and you know you know and you sort of suddenly become so dependent on your husband as well yeah. um, and looking out the window waiting for the ute to pull up at the end of the day so <laughs> you feel so desperate <laughs> yeah. but um but yeah so thrown into the sort of the home trenches so quickly um yeah it was i mean yeah it was there were some really lovely times um in those early days but also it was equally terrifying and very lonely yeah. as motherhood often is it is and i feel like you and i are the same person like when you're talking i just everything you're saying is sort of mirroring my experience and particularly going from that full on you know fast paced job and 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 you're feeling really i guess fulfilled through that career and and then all of a sudden i don't know like not everyone has this experience but newborns in particular have a fantastic way of making you feel like you know, just a, a piece of nothing sometimes when you're just doing everything mm, for this mm. child and, and you've lost all those social touch points in your career that sort of, I guess, pumps you up and makes you feel, you know, as I said, fulfilled. So throw in living on the land into the mix when, you know, that wasn't traditionally where you had, you know, grown up and, you know, you talk about, talk us through that isolation, um, you know, for example, you know, I'm sure if you had your baby in Perth and you could go for coffees with friends and family, I'm sure the experience would have been, you know, quite different. Did you find that quite, you know, daunting? Absolutely. And I still do. I mean, I'm on, on my third and I think people expect you kind of have it, you know, sorted by now. But certainly there's days where you just don't. And, and that's the thing when you're on, I mean, here now I've been here for five years. I do have those deeper friendships with people, you know, in town and in surrounding farms who are in the same boat. So you, I certainly do feel more supported in that sense. Um, if you have those relationships, you can fall back on and things. But you do, that isolation, it's, um, it is tricky here uh, like because you can't, you know, if I was in the suburbs in Perth, you could kind of just, you know, if you're having one of those days, just throw the babies in the pram and walk around the block and you'll see some, strangers faces or you'd be pushing a kid on the swing and you'll be able to see other mothers in the same boat and you sort of have that perspective mm. but you don't really have that here you have to be a bit more proactive with I guess your headspace because it's like god like you sort of think yeah it's very easy to get lost in your own sort of world here um and you do it's funny I've been I've been raised to be such an independent person and to suddenly be like you know like waiting you know like smoke her break I can't wait until like the workman comes in because you get to have a chat with someone different you know or and I remember you know Hamish is so hands-on and so involved with children that's another great thing about being on the land is mm. particularly with our business it's like our kids see their dad and mum so much which is lovely um, you know, my four-year-old's been feeding sheep with him this morning um, for a few hours, which has been lovely. And, and you know, so you do get that sort of family work um, merging. But, you know, I I find myself, like, being envy. I mean, he works so hard, but I'm like, well, at least you get that kind of satisfaction of having achieved something in your day, you know, whether it's, you know, taking the crop off and, you know, getting a good price for your barley, whatever it is, it's like you have that sense of reward. And I think when you are doing the whole like mothering thing day in day out although there's so many daily rewards even just in that the small things you do sort of miss that kind of instant kind of reward you get from i don't know like you know earning things and working hard and achieving things mm. whereas you can sometimes feel at the end of the day um just parenting is there's not a lot of like 
tangible kind of yeah. achievements. But, of course, there is because you have these healthy, happy kids, which a hell of a lot goes into achieving that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so it's just about maintaining perspective when you haven't got those city luxuries of, you know, a friend around the corner or, you know, even just, yeah, even just um, it's not even about the hands-on help like, oh, you know, it would be nice to have someone to cook and clean and help around the house. But it's not even that. It's just the emotional help. It's the, mm. like, today I, I thought about, you know, speaking with you about this. I was pacing the hallway with my eight-week-old, you know, who's unsettled and not sleeping that well um, today. And and then I've got my two-year-old in a sandpit, like, screaming out because he wants to play, you know, he wants to play shopkeepers. And all he wants is me to sit down with him for 10 minutes to play shopkeepers. But I just can't. And it would be so nice to have someone, a neighbour, to pop in and just, you know, fill his cup up for 10 minutes so that I could, you know, maybe put dinner on or whatever. So you do miss that village. But, you know, there are so many people across the country who don't have that. Um, and I'm lucky to have friends and family close by who do pop in on occasion to lend a hand but I guess that village just has to look a bit different and um, I think I've the biggest lesson I've learned is just if, if it's not going to be my mum or my siblings or friends helping it has to be a paid form of that and yeah. if that's daycare or if that's a babysitter that's just the way it is um, yeah. you have to create that village and get creative about it. Yeah I think like every rural mum I speak to not one rural mum will say anything negative you know about raising kids on the land from a, the overall picture like I think we can all listening we can all mm. agree that we are all so incredibly lucky and it is hands down like the best sort of life we can have as a family unit and for our kids but in saying that is it's okay to talk about the fact it is hard like city mums have their struggles but so do rural, rural mums and you know I don't know about you but I, yeah. I certainly found that being out here and, and largely alone without a village it, it does force you to sort of self-reflect a bit more because you don't have those distractions that you have as you say and you can't just walk out the door and see 50 strangers and people in the hustle and bustle of the city which is fantastic but it's also a distraction like being on the farm you know it's really just you and your kids often and that can sort of I guess make you focus on, on yourself a bit more you know whether that's good or bad mm. have you found that it's sort of forced you kind of just just, just to be with you on your own yeah yeah it, it's 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 another adjustment on top of motherhood full stop it is another adjustment just and 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 keeping tabs on yourself as well like I uh, yeah, I find myself, yeah, uh, I didn't realise how reliant I was on, like, other people to, like, to reflect off and, and provide perspective. But when you're relying on yourself and you think, God, like, um, yeah, you, you, you don't have other people around. So that's why I think things like, you know, this podcast, other podcasts out there, you know, even just articles, you know, those, like, mum blogs, I mean, as, like, cheesy as I used to think they were <laughs> sometimes I come across one and I start firing them off to my friends who I know are you know are facing the same challenges of you know the the newborn wake-ups or whatever it is um and you think oh gosh that really hit like that really just hit the nail on the head I'll share this because it's just so reassuring to know that other people are in the same boat like yeah. I'm not just the only one who hasn't cleaned their teeth by lunchtime you know <laughs> like it's okay lunchtime, yeah. <laughs> like yeah you know you think you just, you just a little reminder yeah I know some days are like that but if someone else is experiencing that then you do feel better about yourself you think okay I'm not I haven't failed everyone and everything today yeah um it's okay you know um so yeah it's a constant it's a constant re you know you've got to realign yourself and keep things into perspective because I think you know I remember speaking to someone um 
you know, a little older a while ago and her telling me saying, you know, that this whole idea of one person, often it's a mother, staying home with their children for, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours a day on their own is a relatively modern way of mothering or mm. parenting because, you know, usually there are relatives around or a village, the sense of a village and, you know, it is possible to stay at home, whether you're in, you know, a farm in Kojanup or a city apartment. You, you can stay at home and raise kids on your own with your husband working for, you know, those large parts of the day. But there's you aren't going to get great outcomes for the mother or the children. Yeah. You know, that's why you have to create a village. Like, it's possible to do it, but no one's going to be happy at the end of the day. Yeah. Your, your kids aren't going to be, you know, and so you've got to just realise that this expectation that, that one person raises children on their own is just not that's not actually how it's supposed to be it's such a that's um, such an important point you raise i was actually thinking about this the other day mm. um and we've not talked about this before but you're so right it's such a modern way of mothering and back in the day like you know hundreds and even thousands of years it was it was literally villages like that term comes from somewhere um and it's so mm, like, yeah. unnatural in a way but it's society have made us think as mothers like it's just this pressure and, and no wonder things like postnatal depression and anxiety and stress and all this stuff you know keeps skyrocketing because as mums you know you've got you as a perfect example like an amazingly successful career woman and a mum to three but you're juggling it all largely on your own because let's face it farm dad or city dad they're working dads they're not home in the day and you are alone mm -hmm. and you know it is hard and as you said we can do it but it's actually not the way it's supposed to be so I think it's kind of, mm -hmm. I think we're just reminding ourselves of that, not that we can all click our fingers and suddenly have a village and, you know, but just reminding ourselves of that hopefully takes a bit of pressure off because I thought about this the other day and I just thought, you know, I was tired. I didn't want to do the laundry. You know, Elliot was napping and, you know, he's been having an hour or two naps in the day, which has been amazing. And I often run around just doing stuff as all mums do. But I felt so guilty doing nothing. I just thought, why do I feel guilty? Like we don't mm. have to do it all, all the time. Like it's just this pressure that we've, you know, put on ourselves and society's put on us. So I'm glad mm -hmm. I'm glad you mentioned it because I've spoken to a lot of rural mums and they do often because of their geographical isolation, they they have to manage it on their own. But it's okay to say it's actually bloody hard and, you know, every every now and then, you know, have a day off or just leave the dirty laundry lying around, leave the kitchen sink and God forbid tell your husband he's got to do it, you know? Exactly, exactly. And I think that's what's so great about, um, you know, social media, podcasts, these, like, the, the the uglier sides of parenting are being talked about, which I, I think haven't, have sort of been hidden behind closed doors, not intentionally, but for a while, it's nice that people are kind of opening up about that. And as you know, and that whole idea of, you know, um, one person trying to be that whole village, um mm. And, you know, the days that you do lose your patience at your toddler or, mm. you know, not don't get to the washing, um, you feel as though you have failed. But really that's such an unreasonable expectation that you put on yourself. Yeah. You know, it's like, of course, you're only human. You're going to lose your temper occasionally um, when you've got three people demanding you, you know, for every hour of the day. And you sort of think, wow, but it's not, it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's the, ex the expectation you put on yourself. You haven't. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a goal that's unattainable, but you've got to do your best at, at getting there. And you've got to just start to learn to re you know rely on other people and ask for that help. Because um, generally, if you find if you show that you're vulnerable and struggling um, and ask for help, often other people will ask you for help in return down the track. Yeah. You know, I find that our sort of clutch of mums here, and I'm so lucky. We've got such great families in Koji. We've got so many 
lots of young families of professional parents, which is great. You know, we have, all have a lot on, in common and our kids are the same age. I think Fergus, my firstborn, I think there was, you know, a town of only 2,000 people. I think there were 40-something babies born in that year. So there's heaps of, like, little kids of the same age. Yeah. And I think we're getting better now at leaning on each other. A lot of, you know, my friends have parents who live overseas or, you know, or parents who aren't around anymore. And, you know, we kind of say, oh, do you mind if I drop my, you know, my, you know, so my, one of my kids off just so I can get make the GP appointment. And we, we're using each other a bit more because we're not ashamed to just go, oh, hey, like it would actually be easier if I did my shopping on my own today. Like yeah. let's have a play date and we can meet at the park for an hour and I'll buy you a coffee or whatever. Yeah. Um, like using that village because it doesn't have to be your parents or aunties and uncles who are helping you. It mm-hmm. needs to be the entire community. And that's what we are lucky to have in rural towns so often that's true that that sense of community is pretty strong in rural areas which is just what you know mums often need but probably don't tap into enough so I'm really glad you brought this up um yeah and I suppose moving into to round two for you when did you feel ready to try for a second was it was that daunting to you after obviously the adjustment with Fergus or tell us about that journey yeah um well it's funny how you quickly forget the adjustment and the harder times of the baby and I guess I like got you know the cluckiness returned and I've always wanted to have more than one babies if I could and um yeah we we had a hiccup between Fergus and Albert we had um an unexpected I fell pregnant and it turned out to be an ectopic pregnancy so we that involved like a surgery and um and things so got back on the horse after that and again we were really um privileged you know we we fell pregnant right away and had another healthy baby two years later so the age gap between my first two is two years just two years and um looking back i I feel like that was quite close because you know you know he could look back on the videos of the kids (laughs) and i'm like looking back at some early times i was like gosh he was a little baby when you know albert came along but um yeah i mean i didn't really hesitate getting back into it i think I think I felt like I could do it a bit, I was a bit better at it. So, you know, in terms of I've got got this covered, I kind of know what to expect. Of course, you know, the second baby is a different person. So there's a whole other adjustments and changes. But um, I kind of just rolled into it. And, um, yeah, I did feel a bit more confident second time around. Um, And third time around, maybe a little bit more confident. But, of course, it's it's still babies but and it's still tricky. You still need the same things. But I guess I knew myself a bit better and I knew that, I would cope better if I did small things like get my runners on and go for a walk occasionally by myself, even if it is for 10 minutes or, you know, eat healthily or make sure that I do have a daycare day every couple of weeks just to check out and do things for myself, even if that is just catch up on some cooking or, or you know, return some, you know, reply to some emails or whatever. Those small things I realised made such a difference to just like keeping sane, yeah. you know. Yeah exercise and socializing and and you know going back to work has really helped as well um you know i'm really close with my colleagues in albany which is sort of the closest biggest center and that's where i technically hold my job while i'm on that leave and i check in and if i you know if i happen to hear about a story in town or you know in the region i'll like you know tell them tell them about and i sort of feel as though i'm kind of still in it um in the journal world but um yeah those sort of small things i realize i you know, they become non-negotiables. Mm. Otherwise, you know, like like a walk, for example, a bit of exercise and time to myself to call the friend back who you've been meaning to chat with. You know, those things may seem really trivial and a bit of a luxury, but I've realised that, you know, my husband has realised too that 
they actually are essentials to keeping me um, on track. Otherwise, you just fall in a heap and it, it's a whole lot more energy trying to get back on track again. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot first time around that you don't actually realize you need until it's too late and you've gone through the trenches mm. and looking back, you think, God, like, why didn't I ask for help? Or why didn't I go for that walk more often? And why didn't I ask my husband to take the baby for an hour on a Saturday so I could do something, you know, like all these things, I think, yeah, that you don't know as a first time mum, but it's yeah. really good to hear you talk about that you've recognized what you need and what those non-negotiables are. And I suppose going into three, I mean, you know, two's company, three's not a crowd, but getting mm. close. <laughs> how how have you Total managed? Chaos. How yeah. have you managed three? How are you managing three? And and what's life on the land with the three of them? Because they're all you know three under five. That's yeah, that's intense. Hmm. Yeah. Well, um, COVID didn't help because <laughs> um, Maeve, my little girl, she was born sort of in the middle of that um, eight weeks ago. So I had because I sort of was bracing myself for the three. I thought I'm going to line up some, you know, be intentional about it, and I. I had an au pair lined up. Um, you know, I had my mum coming down to stay from Perth for a little time, you know, for chunks of time in those early weeks. Um, you know, there was school, obviously. My eldest is at kindergarten three days a week. So all those options, including my mum visiting, all that was taken away, like overnight it felt like. So certainly we felt like we were, we've been floundering on our own. And we sort of, in that mix, we were also seeding. So we had our, um, selling our grain crops at that time. We've, we've finished that now. So long hours on the tractors mm. and, you know, a lot of stress and, um, you know, in the, in the business side of things. So that didn't help. And then also we decided, you know, in all our wisdom to move house as well. So oh. we've re just re renovated our, um, our main house. So we've just moved back into that a few weeks ago. So to be honest, like the last eight weeks have been a blur yeah. <laughs> with all of that combined. But um, but really, I guess it's just about um, that adjustment and, and, yeah, keeping every... I think the biggest challenge I've found with three is just um, being, you know, being everything for everyone, which, of course, mm. you can't be. Um, you know, the four-year-old wants to talk about volcanoes and, you know, show me the dinosaur footprints outside, but I've got to make dinner, mate, so sorry. <laughs> I can't do that. And, you know, dealing with what the baby needs and getting her in a routine that's, you know, workable and... Um, but now that the restrictions are easing and people can visit and stay, um, things are certainly getting easier. And honestly, I think the whole COVID um, isolation has been a blessing in disguise for, I think, people with young babies because it does mean that you're not putting the pressure on yourself to get out the door to do things. Like yeah. people are more forthcoming with doing my groceries, for example, and, you know, I, I'm not kind of, jamming my two eldest kids in the car just to get to play group just because I want you know so it's it, it has simplified things which has been good um for the routine and staying at home mm. but it's nice to be able to enjoy those outside luxuries now that they're yeah things are changing and going hopefully back to normal yeah no definitely and and what's like everyday life like for you on the farm like with the three of them obviously your youngest is still so young but you know do you get out on the farm a bit does your husband sort of can he take the eldest two when he can or how how do you sort of juggle it all I'm always keen as a mum to one I'm always keen to hear how people make it work yeah yeah it's funny I mean I haven't really gotten to a groove yet with the three yet um but I think I mean a good day I'd really try to get out and like get the dogs off you know out of the kennels and straight out and just go for a lane away walk or something just to clear my head and get some fresh air and some sunshine on my cheeks because sometimes some days just get away from you and you haven't done anything for yourself so I try and do that sometimes I take the pram and the kids on bikes or whatever and 
I'd, so I try to sort of incorporate some sort of outside, you know, we go for a bit of an adventure down to the creek or mm. every day is different, to be honest. I mean, if, if, I, if I know that Hamish is feeding sheep, I'll like give him, you know, batter the eyelids and be like, can you take one of them? And he often does, um, which is great. And, you know, sometimes we try and do some cooking or sometimes it doesn't happen or we'll get into the garden and then just potter around or clean the chook house out. We kind of incorporate activities into farm stuff. Mm. Just so we're doing something, I feel like I get really down if I've got to the end of the day and I'm like, oh, my goodness, like what have we actually done? You know, not that you want to achieve anything, but it's like I don't – the kids are so much happier when they're outside. Even if it's freezing and raining, I try to get them out the door just so we're not, you know, driving each other up the wall inside and I'm not tempted to chuck the telly on, which yeah. sometimes happens for hours on end. But it, it, it just – yeah, every day is different. I try to – I try to, yeah, I try to keep busy so you feel as though you do have a sense of achievement in the day, even if it is just putting a pot of soup on or whatever. Yeah. Just to, yeah, I don't know. It's about weaving in family life into your thing. And and also you've got to, I've, I've kind of got better at realising that other mums are doing exactly what I'm doing, so we may as well be doing it together. So come on round. The house is a total dump, but at least the adult child ratio is somewhat more even if you're here and we can hopefully have a cup of tea in between the demands of the kids you know yeah. so I've got better at incorporating other people into it and that's been really nice because you know even if you don't even finish a conversation at least you've had that contact and that person may have driven you know 45 minutes to do that morning hangout but at least yeah. it's something and you're not you're not on your own so exactly so, um, so yeah yeah and, and so sorry, but I'm going to change the subject completely now because I just remember we've forgotten to talk about um, a pretty key part of your motherhood journey with Fergus is that uh, his health hasn't always been smooth sailing. There was um, a big scare that, that you've had with him and some ongoing problems. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, so Fergus is four and a half now. When he was about two and a half, he's a perfectly healthy, happy um, kid, um, out of the blue, and I've had no experience with this prior. Um, out of the blue, luckily Hamish was home. Um, one evening he had a seizure and it was so since he's been he's been diagnosed with a um, like a seizure disorder or otherwise known as epilepsy and anyway um, going through that experience with my husband on the farm at night you know in the middle of winter and trying to get this kid who we thought was choking because oh he'd actually eaten um, after dinner he just had a date it's like a you know it's a dry date after dinner and I was feeding my baby my second son in the other room and my husband just called out and we thought you know this child was choking but in actual fact he was having this seizure and he was sort of unresponsive and you know not breathing properly and you know trying to get you know calling triple zero and being where we are on the farm and not having like seriously my mother instinct I just was telling the operator to, you know, land the chopper in my back garden kind of thing. But, of course, that's not possible when you're out here. So we had to get him in the car. And our local hospital in Kojanup's 20 minutes away, mm. but, um, you know, it's not very well staffed. So we had to get this, you know, and he, you know, he's this toddler having this seizure. And it went on and on and on and on. Like oh it was, God. by the time he got to hospital, he was unconscious and he wasn't breathing and, you know, we had to do CPR, like, proper emergency and that experience has just completely has been incredible it was life-changing because 
here we are with this healthy baby, well, you know, little child, and we couldn't help him because we were so far from any sort of medical help. So to cut a long story short, it was an awful experience, but he's fine. Um, we got him to the hospital and we were, um, you know, we had RFDS take us to Perth and he had the best help. And um, it, that experience, just to be so helpless, mm. you couldn't help your child in that, in that scenario, it was awful. You know, driving the backs, you know, the gravel, slippery roads in the rain and having an operator to tell me that there was no ambulances available. It was just, you know, it was like, are you kidding me? There's no ambulance available? And if you think about it, the ambulances around here are all volunteer run. So at that moment, there wasn't an ambulance available. And in the end, we did get help. But... It took us like 50 minutes mm. from from when he dropped on the floor having a seizure, which we had no idea was coming, to him being in the arms of a doctor who knew what they were talking about was 50 minutes. Yeah. And in that time, we honestly thought the worst because you know he'd you know he'd turned blue and we were having to do CPR oh. in the car, like it was awful. But looking back on that, and we were, we were flown to Perth and he was fine, and we're, we've got a great neurologist in Perth who we see, and there's telehealth and things, so we feel a lot more supported now. But he's only had one seizure since, and touch wood, um, it's been more than 18 months, and he's you know, on medication, and the neurologist has actually told us we, we, we can stop um, the medication now. He's likely to have grown out of it. Mm. But just the whole you know, seeing specialists and navigating that world, which we've never been, you know, we've, I've never had anything to do with any sort of, you know, neurological issue and I've had to sort of figure that out for myself and being here you just do feel like if it happened again, what what do you do? Yeah. Um, and obviously that um, that goes through my mind all the time, you know, jumping in the car and having to get, you know, and, and calling, being in a position where your child needs help and calling triple zero, which you think would just, you know, would just be there to help. But the reality is that help is that much further. So that was certainly um, a bit of a a life-changing moment in our sort of journey in the country. Um, it just makes you realise that, hey, there sometimes there isn't even doctors available at the hospital. Um, you know, there's telehealth and there's all these things. You can have specialists called up in an instant, but it's that it's that having that medical help around the corner, which, I'd, which I've grown up with, you know, if there's an issue, just you know, there's a hospital or a doctor available, but access to medical um, treatment in, in the country is very difficult, particularly under emergency circumstances, let alone if you have longer-term issues like cancer or things that need mm. those treatments. You, you know, the reality is you have to travel to get it. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And hopefully that will improve. Um, yeah. I mean, I've yeah, spoken, to, spoken to several rural mums that have, you know, talked about the medical side of things. And, look, there's no sugarcoating it, the lack of, um, you know, the lack of medical mm. services in rural Australia and certainly in a lot of rural Australia is probably one of the most terrifying parts of being a mother on the land. I mean, for me it is. I mean, and we're only 45 minutes away from a hospital, but for me, as you have, growing up in the city when there's always a hospital like 10, 15 minutes away or there's always an ambulance. I mean, what, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, are you kidding me? You, can't, you call and can't get an ambulance? You know, of course you can. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, that would have been absolutely terrifying. Thank God it wasn't. You know, thank God it hasn't turned out to be something life-threatening or whatever, but, God, that is, um, yeah, I really do have so much respect for all rural mums, particularly the ones that live so far away from medical attention because that's terrifying, just the thought of your child mm. not being able to get help. Um, but, look, that's that's one of the compromises of, of living on the land, I suppose. There are so many pros, um, and, God forbid, hopefully most of us never have to experience that con. 
Yeah, absolutely. I know. And 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 utmost respect and admiration for the RFDS because what they do, particularly for families in more remote areas, is just incredible. Like without that service, um, yeah, that I don't know, people probably couldn't live so remotely. So yeah, um, yeah it's it does it does open to, open your eyes to the lack of services here. But I think, you know, the spotlight is being shone on that a little closer now, um, politic you know, politically. And I think hopefully you know, regional hospitals do get sort of better resourced so that, you know, they do have, you know, doctors on call at least so that, you know, even things, and I thought to myself, that experience with Fergus, I thought to myself, wow, you know, we live on a farm where our, you know, the guys and our workmen are, they're, you know, exposed to all sorts of risks, whether it be chemicals or machinery, you know, motorbikes, and you think, God, if they came off a motorbike and needed help, how far away is that help? And you're so you're so self-reliant like I'm gonna have to help in that situation like yeah. it's you know so you do have a better a better appreciation and you know the responsibility does come on you like you've got to be you know on top of the first aid and things because that kind of does rest on you for that um yeah so yeah it's that's just the reality of being out here but um you kind of learn along the way <laughs> and yeah. and you know some some of your guests i've heard who you know give birth to babies in you know on like on stations and things it's like wow or you know whatever it is and deal with like allergies or yeah or medical um conditions even just simple things like a diabetes or things when you live remotely you know access to to help is um is just less yeah, it's um it's a tough one and as I said hopefully not many of us mums have to deal with it but it's the reality of 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 living you know in some of the places we do. So um but look thanks thanks for sharing about you know Fergus's journey briefly that's um frightening but thank thank god he's okay. Fingers cool. crossed. And so looking yeah. forward to the to the future like what does that look like you know um for Olivia as as mum and Olivia as you know just Olivia you know is are you going to, is another kid on the horizon? Is that something that you'd like? Or is it sort of, are you focused on maybe dipping your toes back into journalism one day? Obviously, that's a little bit far away because you've got an eight week old. I understand that. But tell me about what, mm. what you want, what are your sort of hopes and dreams? Well, I've, I've kept the ABC door open. So hopefully one day I'll make something work there. They've been so supportive in the whole working from home thing, which I've done even pre COVID, which is great. So, mm. I think um, Hamish and I are pretty set on just keeping our family to three children. Um, so I don't, there's no plans to have any more babies, but I, I mean, never say never. I, yeah, I think we're, particularly if we think, you know, if we're realistic about it, um, five is enough for us. So five in our family. So I think the baby thing's done, but I think, you know, I, I guess looking forward, it will be nice down the track. You know, these days, you know, days are long, years are short kind of thing. You know, you do you want to be able to enjoy the time that they're at home and before they go off to school. And I think boarding school is probably going to be the route for us mm. down the track. And, um, you know, even now packing away Maeve's um, like newborn outfits, the quadruple zeros, I, I do feel myself getting a bit sad that just, you know, this is the last time that I'll probably be having little tiny babies um, as much as you kind of, want a break from it sometimes yeah. you, you know that that mother and us all we kind of look back and go gosh it does go so quickly so when that does kind of fleetingly pass me by I think I will probably um enjoy getting back into my own you know building my own career but also maybe even getting involved in the farming business too like 
there's certainly avenues for me to be involved there. So when I have a bit more time, um, maybe there's potential for that as well. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. It's lovely to hear. Like I've, I've really enjoyed just your, I guess your clarity through, you know, what is a very chaotic time with three kids and, and, and a newborn, you know, like that's, it's really good to hear you talk about, you know, as you said earlier, like I really liked you talking about your non-negotiables and the things that you have paid attention to, to make sure you do for yourself. I'm really big on that. And, and sometimes it, you know, sometimes some of us can't see through the chaos enough to sort of self-reflect mm-hmm. and take care of ourselves. So it's really great to hear you talk about that. And I'm always in awe of mums like you who just seem to juggle it. You know, obviously it's chaos and I understand, you know, you know, social media is great at painting this perfect picture, but I know that behind closed doors there's messy houses and messy kitchens and that's part of it, you know, but it's it's so nice to hear mm. you, to hear like Olivia amongst it all. Like, you know, um, not all of us, sometimes we just sort of lose ourselves and I'm sure there's been moments of that for you, but it's been great to hear you, you know, talk about those things. I think it's really important and, and the importance of that village and, and, you know, you going out and actively seeking help and supporting, you know, other rural mums supporting other rural mums. You know, I was talking to a friend the other day about this and, I said, when's the last time you went out for dinner to eat with your husband? And we both looked at each other like, oh, Christ knows when. And, you know, so we've kind of made a pact, which I hope that, you know, that we actually do. So, Sophie, if you're listening. But, yeah, it is to drop each other's mm. kids at, at the other person's house one night um, or to have someone come over and house sit. And we might have to drive an hour to dinner, but it's better than no dinner at all and, and having a bit of a date night. But as you said, it's just not being afraid to ask for help and asking other mums mm. to help each other out. I think that's really important. You know, I know, I know people live far away. It's not always possible. But if it is I think you know what you've spoken about is really important absolutely and the moment that you um you know the mother guilt gets us all right because you'll hesitate to ask Sophie to have your kids so you can enjoy your dinner but the moment you do Sophie will will happily take um your you know Elliot and then you can enjoy this dinner and then she'll feel more confident asking you in return so it's this this chain reaction that happens that we've got to kind of get a bit more bit better at that particularly as yeah, women who have who are used to being so independent and just coping, you know, no matter what. It's like you've got to just start to lean on other people. I feel like that that has helped. And you know, like today hasn't been a great day at home. And I'm thinking, you know, that non-negotiable of going for a walk didn't happen today. But goddamn, I'm going to make it ha- sure it happens tomorrow because mm-hmm. I really the the non-negotiables don't actually happen as often as I would like. But at least you have that goal, the small tiny things to do. Um, and if you achieve that, then it's like, okay, I'm actually getting somewhere. You don't get kind of lost in that fog, which we all do at times. Um, yeah. But it's about, yeah, it's about seeing seeing the bigger picture because it's very hard. Whether you're mothering, you know, in New York or in rural Australia, like we all have that in common where we've got to just get a bit better at at, um, at looking after ourselves because you can't pour from an empty jug, you know. Um, yeah. The kids, you know, the kids won't be happy kids unless you're happy and, um yeah, absolutely. Sometimes that requires a lot of chocolate on the couch at <laughs> the night time. Whatever it takes. No, um, no, you're spot on. Yeah, it's been lovely. Yeah, I've really enjoyed our chat. It's been really, I guess, beneficial for me. Even I always take something away from each mum that I speak to, and hopefully other mums out there. You've raised some really important points that we haven't sort of delved into as much on the pod- podcast before. So, you know, thank you for opening up and for sharing for, for sharing your journey. I look forward to, yeah, staying in touch and seeing how everything progresses for you and your beautiful family. Thanks, Steph. It's, it's been really, it's been my pleasure too. So thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you've got a minute, I'd love it if you could leave a review. And finally, if you're a rural mum or you know one with a great story, head to motherlandaustralia.com.au to nominate someone for the podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Catch you next week.